Hello? 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 Yes, this is MCO. Hello? This is MCO. Hello? Hello? This is another MCO and transmission. This is the Trividya Sutra, the Threefold Knowledge, also called the Way to Brahma. From the Digha Nikaya, the Long Discourses of the Buddha, Sutta number 13, translated from the Pali by Maurice Walsh. Thus have I heard. Once the Lord was touring Kosala with a large company of some five hundred monks. He came to a Kosalan Brahmin village called Manasakata and stayed to the north of the village in a mango grove on the bank of the Achiravati River. And at that time, many very well-known and prosperous Brahmins were staying in Manasakata, including Chanki, Tarukaha, Pokkaharasati, Janusoni, and Todeya. And Vasettaha and Baharadavaja went strolling along the road, and as they did so, an argument broke out between them on the subject of right and wrong paths. The young Brahmin Vasettaha said, This is the only straight path. This is the direct path, the path of salvation that leads one who follows it to union with Brahma, as is taught by the Brahmin Pukharasati. And the young Brahmin Baharadavaja said, This is the only straight path. This is the direct path. This is the path of salvation that leads one who follows it to union with Brahma as taught by the Brahmin Tarukkaha. And Vasettaha could not convince Bahardavaja, nor could Bahardavaja convince Vasettaha. Then Vasettaha said to Bahardavaja, This ascetic Gotama is staying to the north of the village, and concerning this blessed Lord, a good report has been spread about. This blessed Lord is an Arahat, a fully enlightened Buddha, perfected in knowledge and conduct, a welfarer, knower of the worlds, unequaled trainer of men to be tamed, teacher of both gods and humans, a Buddha, a blessed Lord. Let us go to the ascetic Gotama and ask him, and whatever he tells us, we shall accept. And Bahardavaja agreed. So the two of them went to see the Lord. Having exchanged courtesies with him, they sat down to one side. And Vasettaha said, Reverend Gotama, as we were strolling along the road, we got to discussing right and wrong paths. I said, This is the only straight path. This is the direct path, the path of salvation that leads one who follows it to union with Brahma, as is taught by the Brahmin Pukharasati. And Bahardavaja said, This is the only straight path. This is the direct path. This is the path of salvation that leads one who follows it to union with Brahma, as is taught by the Brahmin Tarukaha. This is our dispute, our quarrel, our difference. So, Vasettaha, you say that the way to union with Brahma is that taught by the Brahmin Pokarasati, and Bahardavaja says it is that taught by the Brahmin Tarukaha. What is the dispute? The quarrel? What is the difference all about? 
Right and wrong paths, Reverend Gotama. There are so many kinds of Brahmins who teach different paths. The Adhariya, the Titirya, the Chahandoka, the Chahandava, the Brahmacharya Brahmins. Do all these ways lead to union with Brahma? Just as if there were near a town or a village many different paths, do all these come together at the same place? And likewise, do the ways of the various Brahmins lead the one who follows them to union with Brahma? You say, they lead, Vasettaha. I say they lead, Reverend Gotama. You say they lead, Vasettaha. I say they lead, Reverend Gotama. You say they lead, Vasettaha. I say they lead, Reverend Gotama. But Vasettaha, is there then a single one of these Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, who have seen Brahma face to face? No, Reverend Gotama. Then, has the teacher's teacher of any one of them seen Brahma face to face? No, Reverend Gotama. Then, has the ancestor seven generations back of each of these teachers seen Brahma face to face? No, Reverend Gotama. Well then, Vasettaha, what about the early sages of those Brahmins learned in the three Vedas, the makers of the mantras, the expounders of the mantras, whose ancient verses are chanted, pronounced, and collected by the Brahmins of today, and sung and spoken about, such as Athaka, Vamaka, Vamadeva, Vesamita, Yamatagi, Angirasi, Baharadavaja, Vasettaha, Kasapa, Baku. Did they ever say, We know and we see when, how, and where Brahma appears? No, Reverend Gotama. So, Vasettaha, not one of these Brahmins learned in the three Vedas has seen Brahma face to face, nor has one of their teachers or their teachers' teachers, nor even the ancestor seven generations back of one of these teachers? Nor could any one of the early sages say that we know and see when, how, and where Brahma appears. So what these Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, are saying is, we teach this path to union with Brahma that we do not know or see, and this is the only straight path, this is the direct path, the path of salvation that leads one who follows it to union with Brahma. What do you think, Vasettaha? Such being the case, does not what these Brahmins declare turn out to be ill-founded? Yes, indeed, Reverend Gotama. Well, Vasettaha, when these Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, teach a path that they do not know or see, saying this is the only straight path, the direct path, the path of salvation that leads one who follows it to union with Brahma, this cannot possibly be right. Just as a file of blind men go on, clinging to each other, and the first one sees nothing at all, the middle one sees nothing at all, and the last one sees nothing at all, so it is with the talk of these Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas. The first one sees nothing, the middle one sees nothing, the last one sees nothing. The talk of these Brahmins, 
learn it in the three Vedas, turns out to be laughable, mere words, empty and vain. What do you think, Vasitaha? Do these Brahmins learn it in the three Vedas, see the sun and moon just as other people do? And when the sun and moon rise and set, do they pray, sing praises, and worship with palms joined? They do, Reverend Gotama. What do you think, Vasitaha? These Brahmins learn it in the three Vedas, who can see the sun and moon just as other people do, who, when the sun and moon rise and set, pray, sing praises, and worship with joined palms, can they point out a way to union with the sun and moon, saying, this is the only straight path, the path that leads one who follows it to union with the sun and moon? No, Reverend Gotama. So, Visitaha, these Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, cannot point out a way to union with the sun and moon, which they have seen, and too none of them has seen Brahma face to face, nor has one of their teachers, or their teacher's teachers, nor even the ancestor seven generations back of one of their teachers, nor could any one of the early sages say, we know and see when, how, and where Brahma will appear. Does not what these Brahmins declare turn out to be ill-founded? Yes, indeed, Reverend Gotama. Vasettaha. It's just as if a man were to say, I'm going to seek out and love the most beautiful girl in the country. And they might say to him, Do you know what caste she belongs to? And the person would say, No. Well, do you know her name? Her clan? Whether she is tall or short or dark or light-complexioned? Or maybe where she comes from? And the person says, no. And they might say, well then, you don't know or see the one whom you seek for and desire. And that person would say, no, I don't. Does not the talk of that person turn out to be stupid? Certainly, Reverend Gotama. Then Vasitaha, it is like this. Not one of these Brahmins has seen Brahma face to face, nor has one of their teachers, or one of their teacher's teachers, nor even the ancestor seven generations back of one of their teachers. Yes, indeed, Reverend Gotama. That is right, Vasitaha. When these Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, teach a path that they do not know and do not see, this cannot possibly be right. Vasitaha. It's just as if a man were to build a staircase for a palace at a crossroads. And people might say, This staircase for a palace. Do you know whether the palace will face east or west, south or north, or whether it will be high or low, or of a medium height? And he would say, No. And they might then say, Well then, you don't know or see what kind of a palace you are building the staircase for. And he would say, No. I don't. Does not the talk of that man turn out to be stupid? Certainly, Reverend Gotama. Then Vasitaha, it's like this. Not one of these Brahmins has seen Brahma face to face, nor has one of their teachers, or their teacher's teachers, nor even the ancestor seven generations back of one of their teachers. Yes, indeed, Reverend Gotama. That is right, Vasitaha. 
When these Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, teach a path that they do not know or see, this cannot possibly be right. Vasitaha, it is just as if this river Achiravati were brimful of water so that a crow could drink out of it, and a man should come along wishing to cross over, to get to the other side, to get across, and standing on this bank were to call out, Come here, other bank! Come here! What do you think, Vasitaha? Would the other bank of the river Achiravati come over to this side on account of that man's calling to it, begging and requesting? No, Reverend Gotama. Well now, Vasitaha, those Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, who persistently neglect what a Brahmin should do, and persistently do what a Brahmin should not do, they declare, We call on Indra, Soma, Varunya, Ishana, Pajapati, Brahma, Mahidhi, and Yama. But that such Brahmins, who persistently neglect what a Brahmin should do, and persistently do what a Brahmin should not do, will, as a consequence of their calling, begging, and requesting, attain after death, at the breakup of the body, union with Brahma? That is just not possible. Vasitaha, it is just as if this river Achiravati were brimful of water, so that a crow could drink out of it, and a man should come along wishing to cross over, to get to the other side, to get across. But he was bound and pinned on this side by a strong chain, with his hands behind his back. What do you think, Vasitaha? Would that man be able to get over to the other side? No, Reverend Gotama. It is just the same way, Vasitaha. In the noble discipline, these five strands of sensual desire are called bonds. They are called fetters. Which five? Forms seen by the eye, which are agreeable, lovely, charming, attractive, pleasurable, arousing desire. Sounds heard by the ear, which are agreeable, lovely, charming, attractive, pleasurable, arousing desire. Smells smelt by the nose, which are agreeable, lovely, charming, attractive, pleasurable, arousing desire. Tastes savored by the tongue, which are agreeable, lovely, charming, attractive, pleasurable, arousing desire. Contacts felt by the body, which are agreeable, lovely, charming, attractive, pleasurable, arousing desire. These five, in the noble discipline, are called bonds. They are called fetters. And Vasitaha, those Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, are enslaved infatuated by these five strands of sensual desire, which they enjoy guiltily, unaware of the danger, knowing no way out. But that such Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, who persistently neglect what a Brahmin should do and persistently do what a Brahmin should not do, who are enslaved by these five strands of sensual desire, knowing no way out, that they should attain after death at the breaking up of the body Union with Brahma? This is just not possible. 
It is just as if this river Achiravati were brimful of water, so that a crow could drink out of it, and a man should come along wishing to cross over, to get to the other side, to get across, and he were to lie down on this bank and cover his head with a shawl. What do you think, Vasettaha? Would that man be able to get to the other side? No, Reverend Gotama. In the same way, Vasettaha, in the noble discipline, these five hindrances are called obstacles. They're called hindrances, coverings, envelopings. Which five? The hindrances of sensuality, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness and worry, and doubt. These five are called obstacles, hindrances, coverings, envelopings. And these Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, are caught up, hemmed in, obstructed, entangled in these five hindrances. But that such Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, who persistently neglect what a Brahmin should do and persistently do what a Brahmin should not do, and who are all caught up and entangled in these five hindrances, that they should, after death, after the breaking up of the body, attain union with Brahma? This is just not possible. What do you think, Vasettaha? What have you heard said by Brahmins who are venerable, aged, the teachers of teachers? Is Brahma encumbered with wives and wealth, or unencumbered? Brahma is unencumbered, Reverend Gotama. Is he full of hate, or without hate? Oh, without hate, Reverend Gotama. Is he full of ill will, or without ill will? Oh, without ill will, Reverend Gotama. Is Brahma impure, or pure? Pure, Reverend Gotama. Is he disciplined or undisciplined? Disciplined, Reverend Gotama. And what do you think, Vasettaha? Are the Brahmins learned in the three Vedas encumbered with wives and wealth or unencumbered? Oh, they are encumbered, Reverend Gotama. Are they full of hate or are they without hate? Full of hate, Reverend Gotama. Are they full of ill will or without ill will? Full of ill will, Reverend Gotama. Are they impure or pure? Impure, Reverend Gotama. Are they disciplined or undisciplined? Undisciplined, Reverend Gotama. So, Visittaha, the Brahmins learned in the three Vedas are encumbered with wives and wealth, and Brahma is unencumbered. Is there any communion, anything in common between these encumbered Brahmins and unencumbered Brahma? No, Reverend Gotama. That is right, Vasettaha, that these encumbered Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, should after death, at the breaking up of the body, be united with unencumbered Brahma? That is just not possible. Likewise, do these Brahmins learn it in the three Vedas, so full of hate, full of ill will, impure and undisciplined, have any communion, anything in common with the disciplined, pure Brahma who is not full of ill will and not full of hate? 
No, Reverend Gotama. That is right, Vasettaha, that these undisciplined Brahmins should after death be united with Brahma, it is just not possible. But these Brahmins, learned in the three Vedas, having sat down on the bank of the river, sink down despairingly, thinking maybe to find a dry way to cross. Therefore their threefold knowledge is called the threefold desert, the threefold wilderness, the threefold destruction. At these words, Vesetaha said, Reverend Gotama, I have heard them say, the ascetic Gotama knows the way to union with Brahma. What do you think, Vesetaha? Suppose there were a man here, born and brought up in Manasakatta, and somebody was coming to Manasakatta but had missed the road, and they should ask this person the way. Would that man born and bred in Manasakatta be in a state of confusion or perplexity? No, Reverend Gotama. And why not? Because such a man would know all the paths. Vasittaha. It might be said that such a man on being asked the way might be confused or perplexed. But the Tathagata, on being asked about the Brahma world and the way to get there, would certainly not be confused or perplexed. For Vasittaha, I know Brahma, I know the world of Brahma, and I know the way to the world of Brahma, and the path of practice whereby the world of Brahma may be gained. At this Vasittha said, Reverend Gotama, I have heard them say the ascetic Gotama teaches the way to union with Brahma. It would be good if the Reverend Gotama were to teach us the way to union with Brahma. May the Reverend Gotama help the people of Brahma. Then Vasittha, listen, pay proper attention, and I will tell you. Very good, Reverend Sir, said Vasittha. And the Lord said, Vasittha, a Tathagata arises in the world, an Arahat, fully enlightened Buddha, endowed with wisdom and conduct, welfarer, knower of the worlds, incomparable trainer of men to be tamed, teacher of gods and humans, enlightened and blessed. He, having realized it by his own super-knowledge, proclaims this world with its devas, maras, and brahmas, its princes and people. He preaches the dharma, which is lovely in its beginning, lovely in its middle, lovely in its ending, in the spirit and in the letter, and displays the fully perfected and purified holy life. A disciple goes forth and dwells restrained by the restraint of the rules, persisting in right behavior, seeing danger in the slightest faults, observing the commitments they have taken on regarding body, speech, and mind, devoted to the skilled and purified life, perfected in morality, with the sense doors well guarded, skilled in mindful awareness and content. And how is one perfected in morality? Abandoning the taking of life, they dwell refraining from taking life, without stick or sword, scrupulous, compassionate, trembling for the welfare of all living beings. Thus they are accomplished in morality. Abandoning the taking of what has not been given, 
one dwells refraining from taking what has not been given, living purely, accepting what has been given, awaiting what has been given, without stealing. Abandoning unchastity, one lives far from it, aloof from the village practice of sex. Abandoning false speech, one dwells refraining from false speech, a truth speaker, one to be relied on, trustworthy, dependable, not a deceiver of the world. Abandoning malicious speech, they do not repeat there what they have heard here to the detriment of these, or repeat here what they have heard there to the detriment of those. Thus they are a reconciler of those at variance, and an encourager of those at one, rejoicing in peace, loving it, delighting in it, one who speaks up for peace. Abandoning harsh speech, one refrains from it. They speak whatever is blameless, pleasing to the ear, agreeable, reaching the heart, urbane, pleasing and attractive to the multitude. Abandoning idle chatter, they speak at the right time, what is correct and to the point. They are a speaker whose words are to be treasured, seasonable, reasoned, well-defined, and connected with the goal. One refrains from damaging seeds or crops. One eats once a day, and not at night, refraining from eating at the improper time. One avoids watching dancing, singing, music, and shows. One abstains from using garlands, perfumes, cosmetics, ornaments, and adornments. One avoids using high or wide beds. They avoid accepting gold and silver. One avoids accepting raw grain or raw flesh. One does not accept women or young girls, male or female slaves, sheep or goats, cocks and pigs, elephants, cattle, horses and mare, fields and plots. One refrains from running errands, from buying and selling, from cheating with false weights and measures, from bribery and corruption, deception and insincerity, from wounding, killing, imprisoning, highway robbery, and taking food by force. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins, feeding on the food of the faithful, are addicted to the destruction of such seeds as are propagated from roots, from stems, from joints, from cuttings, from seeds, one refrains from such destruction. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins, feeding on the food of the faithful, remain addicted to the enjoyment of stored-up goods such as food, drink, clothing, carriages, beds, perfumes, meat. The noble disciple refrains from such enjoyment. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins remain addicted to attending such shows as dancing, singing, music, displays, recitation, hand music, cymbals and drums and fairy shows, acrobatic performances and conjuring tricks, combats of elephants, buffaloes, bulls, goats, rams, cocks and quail, fighting with staves, boxing, wrestling, sham fights, parades, maneuvers, and military reviews. The noble disciple refrains from attending such displays. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins remain addicted to such games and idle pursuits as eight or ten-row chess, or chess in the air, or hopscotch, spillskins, dicing, hitting sticks, hand pictures and ball games, blowing through toy pipes, playing with toy plows, turning somersaults, playing with toy windmills, measures and carriages, bows and guessing letters, guessing thoughts, mimicking deformities. The noble disciple refrains from such idle pursuits. 
Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins remain addicted to high and wide beds and long chairs, couches adorned with animal figures, fleecy or variegated coverlets, coverlets with hair on both sides or on one side, silk coverlets, embroidered with gems or without, elephant, horse, or chariot rugs, choice spreads of antelope hide, couches with awnings, or with red cushions at both ends. The noble disciple refrains from such things as high and wide beds. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins remain addicted to such forms of self-adornment and embellishment as rubbing the body with perfumes, massaging, bathing in scented water, shampooing, using mirrors, ointments, garlands, scents, unguents, cosmetics, bracelets, headbands, fancy sticks, bottles, swords, sunshades, decorated sandals, turbans, gems, yak-tail fans, long-fringed white robes. The noble disciple refrains from such self-adornment. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins remain addicted to such unedifying conversation as about kings, robbers, ministers, armies, dangers, wars, food, drink, clothes, beds, garlands, perfumes, relatives, carriages, villages, towns, and cities, countries, women, heroes, street and well gossip, talk of the departed, desultory chat, speculations about land and sea, talk about being and non-being. The noble disciple refrains from such conversation. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins remain addicted to arguments such as, you don't understand this doctrine and discipline. I do. How could you understand this doctrine and discipline? Your way is all wrong. Mine is the right way. I'm consistent. You aren't. You said last what you should have said first. You said first what you should have said last. What you took so long to think up has already been refuted. Your argument has been overthrown. You're defeated. Go on. Save your doctrine. Get out of that if you can. The noble disciple refrains from such arguments. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins remain addicted to such things as running errands and messages, such as for kings, ministers, nobles, Brahmins, householders, and young men who say, Go here. Go there. Take this there. Bring that from there. The noble disciple refrains from such errand running. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins remain addicted to deception, hinting and belittling, and are always on the make for further gain, the noble disciple refrains from such deception. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins, feeding on the food of the faithful, may make their living by such base arts, such wrong means of livelihood, as palmistry, divining by signs and portents, dreams, marks on the body, mouse gnawings, fire oblations, oblations from a ladle, or husks, rice powder, rice gains, ghee or oil, from the mouth or from blood, reading the fingertips, reading the house, reading garden lore, from skill in charms, ghost lore, and earth house lore, snake lore, poison lore, rat lore, bird lore, crow lore, foretelling a person's lifespan, charms against arrows, knowledge of animals' cries. The noble disciple refrains from such base arts and such wrong means of livelihood. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins make their living by such base arts as judging the marks of gems, sticks and clothes, swords, spears, arrows, weapons, 
women, men, boys, girls, male and female slaves, elephants, horses, buffaloes, bulls, cows, goats, rams, cocks, quail, iguanas, bamboo rats, tortoises, and deer, the noble disciple refrains from such base arts. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins make their living by such base arts as predicting, the chiefs will march out, the chiefs will march back, our chiefs will advance, the other chiefs will retreat, our chiefs will win, the other chiefs will lose, the other chiefs will win, and ours will lose. Thus there will be victory for our side and defeat for others. The noble disciple refrains from such base arts. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins make their living by such base arts as predicting an eclipse of the moon or the sun, a star, that the sun and moon will go on their proper course, or they will go astray, that a star will go on its proper course, or will go astray, that there will be a shower of meteors, a blaze in the sky, an earthquake, thunder, a rising, setting, darkening, or brightening of the moon, the sun, or stars, and such will be the outcome of all these things. The noble disciple refrains from such base arts and wrong means of livelihood. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins make their living by such base arts as predicting good or bad rainfall, a good or bad harvest, security, danger, disease, health, or accounting, computing, calculating, poetic composition, philosophizing, the noble disciple refrains from such base arts and wrong means of livelihood. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins make their living by such base arts as arranging marriages, engagements, and divorces, declaring the time for saving and spending, bringing good or bad luck, procuring abortions, using spells to bind the tongue, binding the jaw, making the hands jerk, causing deafness, getting answers with a mirror, or girl mediums, or devas, worshipping the sun or great Brahma, breathing fire, invoking the goddess of luck. The noble disciple refrains from such base arts and such wrong means of livelihood. Whereas some ascetics and Brahmins, feeding on the food of the faithful, make their living by such base arts, such wrong means of livelihood as appeasing the devas and redeeming vows to them, making earth-house spells, causing virility or impotence, preparing and consecrating building sites, giving ritual rinsings and bathings, making sacrifices, giving enemas and purges, giving ear, eye, or nose medicine, ointments and counter-ointments, eye surgery, surgery in general, pediatry, using bombs to counter the side effects of previous remedies, the noble disciple refrains from such base arts and such wrong means of livelihood. Thus they are perfected in morality. That noble disciple who is perfected in morality sees no danger from any side, owing to their being restrained by morality. Just as a duly anointed Kshatriya king having conquered their enemies, by the very fact sees no danger from any side, so too the noble disciple, on account of their morality, sees no danger anywhere. They experience in themselves the blameless bliss that comes from maintaining this noble morality. In this way, they are perfected in morality. And how is one a guardian of the sense doors? Here, a noble disciple, on seeing a visible object with the eye, 
does not grasp at its major characteristics and secondary signs. Because greed and sorrow, evil, unskilled states, would overwhelm them if they dwelt leaving the eye faculty unguarded. So they practice guarding it. They protect the ear faculty, develop restraint of the ear faculty. On hearing a sound with the ear, they do not grasp at its major characteristics or secondary signs. On smelling an odor with the nose, they do not grasp at its major characteristics and secondary signs. On tasting a flavor with the tongue, they do not grasp at its major characteristics and secondary signs. On feeling an object with the body, they do not grasp at its major characteristics and secondary signs. On thinking a thought with the mind, they do not grasp at its major characteristics or secondary signs. They develop restraint of the mind faculty. They develop restraint of the ear, restraint of the nose, restraint of the tongue, restraint of the body, and restraint of the mind faculty. They experience within themselves the blameless bliss that comes from maintaining this noble guarding of the faculties. In this way, a noble disciple is a guardian of the sense doors. And how is a noble disciple accomplished in mindfulness and clear awareness? Here, a noble disciple acts with clear awareness in going forth and coming back, in looking ahead or looking behind, in bending and stretching, in wearing outer and inner robes and carrying bowls, in eating, drinking, chewing, and swallowing, in evacuating and urinating, in walking, standing, sitting, lying down, in speaking, and in keeping silent. They act with clear awareness. In this way, a noble disciple is accomplished in mindfulness and clear awareness. And how is a noble disciple contented? Here, a noble disciple is satisfied with robe to protect their body, with alms to satisfy their stomach, and having accepted sufficient, they go on their way. Just as a bird with wings flies hither and thither, burdened by nothing but its wings, so they are satisfied. In this way, a noble disciple is contented. Then, equipped with this noble morality, with this noble restraint of the senses, with this noble contentment, one finds a solitary lodging, at the root of a forest tree, in a mountain cave or a gorge, a charnel ground, a jungle thicket, or in the open air on a heap of straw. Then, having eaten after their return from an alms round, they sit down cross-legged, holding the body erect, and concentrate on keeping mindfulness established before them. Abandoning worldly desires, they dwell with a mind free from worldly desires, and their mind is purified. Abandoning ill-will and hatred, they abide free from ill-will and hatred, and the mind is purified. Abandoning ill-will and hatred, one dwells with a mind freed of ill-will and hatred, and by loving compassion for the welfare of all living beings, the mind is purified of ill-will and hatred. Abandoning sloth and torpor, one dwells with a mind freed from sloth and torpor. Perceiving light, mindful and clearly aware, the mind is purified of sloth and torpor. Abandoning restlessness and worry, one dwells with a mind freed from restlessness and worry, 
and with an inwardly calm mind, the heart is purified of restlessness and worry. Abandoning doubt, one dwells with doubt left behind. Without uncertainty as to what things are wholesome, their mind is purified of doubt. Just as a man who had taken a loan to develop their business, and whose business has now prospered, might pay off their old debts, and with what was left over they could support a wife, and they might think, Before this I developed my business by borrowing, but now it has prospered, and I have paid off my old debts, and with what has been left over I can support a wife. And they would rejoice, and they would be glad about that. Just as a man who was ill, suffering, terribly sick, with no appetite and weak in body, might, after a time, recover and regain their appetite and bodily strength. And they might think, Before this, I was ill, suffering, terribly sick, with no appetite and weak in body. But after a time I have recovered, and I have regained my appetite and bodily strength. And that person would rejoice and be glad about that. Just as a man might be bound in prison, and after a time they might be freed from their bonds without any loss, with no deduction from their possessions. They might think, Before this, I was in prison, but after, I was freed from my bonds without any loss, and no deduction from my possessions. And they would rejoice, and they would be glad about that. Just as a man might be a slave, not their own master, dependent upon another, unable to go where they like, and after some time they might be freed from slavery, able to go where they like, and they might think, Before this, I was a slave, not my own master, dependent upon another, unable to go where I like, but now I am freed from slavery, able to go wherever I like, and they would rejoice and be glad about that. Just as a man, laden with goods and wealth, might go on a long journey through the desert, where food was scarce and danger abounded. And after a time, they would get through the desert and arrive safe and sound at the edge of a village. And they might think, Before this I was in danger. Now I am safe at the edge of a village. And they would rejoice and be glad about that. As long as a noble disciple does not perceive the disappearance of the five hindrances in themselves, they feel as if they are in debt, in sickness, in bonds, in slavery, on a long desert journey. But when they perceive the disappearance of the five hindrances in themselves, it is as if they were freed from debt, freed from sickness, freed from bonds, freed from slavery, freed from the perils of the desert. And when they know that these five hindrances have left, gladness arises in them. From gladness comes delight. From the delight in mind, the body is tranquilized. With a tranquil body, one feels joy, and with joy, the mind is concentrated. Being thus detached from sense desires, detached from unwholesome states, one enters and remains in the first jhana, which is with thinking and pondering, born of detachment, filled with delight and joy, and with this delight and joy born of detachment, one so suffuses, drenches, fills, and irradiates the body that there is no spot in the entire body that is untouched by this delight 
and joy born of detachment. Then, with their heart filled with loving kindness, they dwell suffusing one quarter, the second, the third, the fourth quarter. Thus they dwell suffusing the whole world, upwards, downwards, across, everywhere, always with a heart filled with loving kindness, abundant, unbounded, without hate or ill will. Just as if a mighty trumpeter were with little difficulty make a proclamation to the four quarters, so by this meditation, Vasettaha, by this liberation of the heart through loving kindness, one leaves nothing untouched, nothing unaffected in the sensuous sphere. This Vasettaha is the way to union with Brahma. Then, with the heart filled with compassion, they dwell suffusing one quarter, the second, the third, the fourth. They dwell suffusing the whole world, upwards, downwards, across, everywhere, always with a heart filled with great compassion, abundant, unbounded, without hate or ill will. Just as if a mighty trumpeter were with little difficulty to make a proclamation to the four quarters, so by this meditation, Vasettaha, by this liberation of the heart through great compassion, one leaves nothing untouched, nothing unaffected in the sensuous sphere. This Vasettaha is the way to union with Brahma. Then, with the heart filled with empathic joy, one dwells suffusing one quarter, the second, the third, the fourth. Thus they dwell suffusing the whole world, upwards, downwards, across, everywhere, always with a heart filled with empathic joy, abundant, unbounded, without hate or ill will. Just as if a mighty trumpeter were with little difficulty to make a proclamation to the four quarters, so by this meditation, Vasettaha, by this liberation of the heart through empathic joy, one leaves nothing untouched, nothing unaffected in the sensuous sphere. This Vasettaha is the way to union with Brahma. Then, with a heart filled with equanimity, one dwells suffusing one quarter, the second, the third, the fourth. Thus one dwells suffusing the whole world, upwards, downwards, across, everywhere, always with a heart filled with equanimity, abundant, unbounded, without hate or ill will. Just as if a mighty trumpeter were with little difficulty to make a proclamation to the four quarters, so by this meditation, Vasettaha, by this liberation of the heart, through equanimity, one leaves nothing untouched, nothing unaffected in the sensuous sphere. This Vasettaha is the way to union with Brahma. What do you think, Vasettaha? Is a noble disciple dwelling thus, encumbered with wives and wealth, or unencumbered? Unencumbered, Reverend Gotama. And what do you think, Vasettaha? Is a noble disciple dwelling thus, with or without hate? Without hate, Reverend Gotama. What do you think, Vasettaha? Is a noble disciple dwelling thus, with or without ill will? Without ill will, Reverend Gotama. What do you think, Vasettaha? Is a noble disciple dwelling thus pure 
or impure? Pure, Reverend Gotama. What do you think, Vasettaha? Is a noble disciple dwelling thus, disciplined or undisciplined? Disciplined, Reverend Gotama. Then Vasettaha, the noble disciple is unencumbered, and Brahma is unencumbered. Has that unencumbered noble disciple anything in common with the unencumbered Brahma? Yes, indeed, Reverend Gotama. That is right, Vasettaha. Then, that an unencumbered noble disciple, after death, at the breaking up of the body, should attain to union with the unencumbered Brahma, that, Vasettaha, is possible. Likewise, a noble disciple without hate, after death, at the breaking up of the body, should attain to union with Brahma who is without hate, that is possible. That a noble disciple without ill will, after death, at the breaking up of the body, should attain to union with Brahma who is without ill will, that is possible. That a noble disciple, who is pure, after death, at the breakup of the body, should attain to union with the pure Brahma, that is possible. That a disciplined noble disciple, after death, at the breaking up of the body, should attain to union with the disciplined Brahma, that, Vesetaha, is possible. At this, the young Brahmins Vasettaha and Baharadvaja said to the Lord, Excellent, Reverend Gotama, excellent! It is as if someone were to set up what has been knocked down, or to point out the way to one who has gotten lost, or to bring an oil lamp into a dark place, so that those with eyes could see what was there to see. Just so the Reverend Gotama has expounded the Dharma in various ways. We take refuge in the Reverend Gotama, in the Dharma, and in the Sangha. May the Reverend Gotama accept us as lay followers having taken refuge from this day forth as long as life shall last.